Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Double Reel Film Podcast, in which we share some bonus content that came out of the main episode, similar to the bonus disc of a DVD or Blu-ray. And when we say special edition, we mean special edition. Not for our fans the release of a so-called extended version of content you've already had, with hardly any extra stuff to make it worth the name. Well, apart from last month. No, this month's special edition is packed with insane amounts of extra content. September's bonus episode features the full version of the special guest conversation that featured in episode 5. What you got in the double reel theatrical release was just about an hour of the Adamsons dissecting the feud between Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino and issues of diversity in Hollywood and the wider world. This was edited down to fit the episode running time. The uncut version of that conversation runs closer to three hours. So long that once again I've had to divide the bonus pod into two episodes to fit it all in. For those of you brave or foolish enough to take on this epic, you'll be rewarded with a fuller and more detailed discussion, with more time available to look at the nuances of some pretty complex issues. I haven't done a lot of editing of the chat, so you'll hear all the pauses and breathing as we try to pick the right words to describe some sensitive things. While it's not the cleanest audio experience, I think it's better to hear how we were thinking about what we were saying and weighing up the subject as thoughtfully as we could. So now it's time to strap yourself in for the first reel of this bonus feature. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Adamsons talking about film and related subjects. Uh, you'll have hopefully tuned into previous discussions we've had about the Oscars, films we watched at school, and our early experiences going to the cinema together. Uh, this month we've decided to tackle a bigger and weightier topic, which is uh, diversity in film, with the starting point of some of the uh, discussions over uh, race and other matters between Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino. So welcome, James. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. So we discussed before uh, we started recording this, and I think we've discussed it a few times before, that clearly uh, we are two white men. It's not for us to tell people what we think is racist and what isn't or what is diverse and what isn't. Um, but I think we decided it was worth discussing this because, A, it's a discussion that needs to be had that's being had around the world at the moment, and B, it seems like the right thing for everyone to be open to having this discussion. Um, so for what it's worth, our tiny little contribution into the world, and hopefully people will see with entirely positive intentions, we thought we'd have a chat about this and see what we have found, seen, and learned, and what the future might hold for this topic. Um, having said that, why don't we start, James, you've done a lot of preparation for this. Why don't you start with, you know, what you feel like the appropriate jumping off point is to get into this topic. Uh, okay, yeah, I have done a fair bit of prep, but I basically just started like my notes on with basically what the, the disagreement, well, not the disagreement, the, the, the feud somewhat that Spike Lee and Tarantino have had um, over the past 30 odd years. Um, and yeah, I just, well, let, let, let's crack into that first yeah, just, then and then see where it takes us. I just kind of briefly summarized that and then just kind of from there, just kind of linked everything else together. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah, basically, yeah, basically, we know we all know Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino. Well, hopefully, people listening know that they've made some of the best films of the last thirty years, but um, the two don't really see eye to eye, um, particularly on the issue of race and racism in movies. And we all know that um, Spike Lee has, you know, directed films that are very much concerning the civil rights movement. You know, um, with Malcolm X and more recently Black Klansman, which isn't about the civil rights movement, but it's you know an interesting topic about a black guy. You know, taking on the KKK, it's not a civil rights movement, but it's it's one of those things. It's almost like a black power kind sure. of film, which I, I've, yeah. I've enjoyed. Um, black Klansman immensely. I only watched it quite recently. Um, 
But with Tarantino, he's obviously a, a white guy, and he's famously written and directed films to screen that have used racial slurs. Uh, and I've put a little bit of trivia. In fact, all of his films except The Kill Bills and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood have the use of the N-word or similar derivatives. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction and Django Chained obviously being the most famous ones. Django Unchained uses it about 100 times. Jackie Brown, I think it's about 37, 38. And I didn't yeah, get the number right. for Pulp Fiction, but there's, there's obviously a lot of use in it. Um, and in 1997, uh, Spike Lee challenged the use of this racial language. Um, he's Basically, what he said was he wasn't against the word and that some people speak that way, but he just didn't like Tarantino's excessive use of it. Um, and that he just, he just he didn't feel right with Tarantino writing characters using that language, whereas Tarantino retorted... Yeah. Sorry, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, carry on. I think you were, you were about to finish so, yeah. the thought. And then Tarantino just kind of retorted back, speaking um, with on the Charlie Rose show saying as a writer I demand the right to write any character in the world that I want to write and that he wants to preach the characters truthfully. He then further explains that there are members of the black community in areas such as Compton and Inglewood that use the same language as characters in the aforementioned movies um, and he states that it's racist not to question, no it's racist to not question a black writer creating characters or stories that have this language but to question when a white writer does it. Um anything you want to discuss and dissect there? I know I've, I've spoke quite... Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I remember uh, reading something that Spike Lee said about uh, after Jackie Brown, which was to say that um, uh, he felt like Tarantino was a little bit too enamoured of using the word. Yeah. And so it was almost like a case of... It wasn't a case of Spike Lee saying you shouldn't use that word or, or that a white people white writer couldn't use that word. He, The argument he seemed to be making was you need to understand the significance of using that word. And it felt like Tarantino was just chucking it around. Now, this is not to say that's, you know, right or wrong, but that, that seemed to be part of the argument that Spike Lee was making. Now, obviously this got its biggest like profile on, on Jackie Brown. Although as I understand it, Spike Lee did comment on the infamous Pulp Fiction incident as well, where, yeah. it, and it might be worth kind of getting it and getting into the background of that. Now, early on, Tarantino was actually in a Spike Lee film playing a, a, a film director. He like had a little yeah, cameo thought, role playing a film director. It was, down. I didn't know that, but yeah. Yeah, and, the, and, the, and so they, yeah, they, they, you know, and obviously fell out after that. Um, and, you know, different people have weighed in on the topic. Apparently Denzel Washington on the set of Crimson Tide. Yeah. Um, which didn't, I think Grimson Tide came out before um, Jackie Brown, so it's possibly to do with the whole Pulp Fiction thing, that Pulp Fiction incident, he said, you know, are you sure you know how to use that word? Sort of sort of challenged him on set. Yeah. I mean, my, I mean, my, my background, sort of the background to this is that there's actually a fair bit of a use of the N-word in, in Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. and the people using the word are clearly being racist. And while... You know, I don't think Tarantino sort of comments specifically or is making a film about racism, but I, I don't think you could accuse him of endorsing that any more than he endorses people getting their ears cut off or robbing banks. Yeah, he just felt like it was realistic that some of those characters would hold those views and 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 that those views would go unchallenged. Um, as with Tarantino, there's also almost a, a question of does he does he know the boundary? Because there's this whole speech about you know I think he's talking about I think you're. Um, you've been having sex with so many black men in prison that it's making you say things, you know, it's like it's it's coming out of your mouth now. And you just think, okay, you might be pushing the boundaries of taste there. And Tarantino yeah. is always pushing the boundaries of taste. 
and, and Tarantino would say, well, that's what a guy like that would say, so that's how I wrote it. And, and that's very much his attitude to, 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 to writing that. And I don't think anyone challenged him on Reservoir Dogs. I think it was generally his intentions were understood. Then on Pulp Fiction, the question was, should a, it, it just didn't seem realistic and it didn't seem right that a white guy, again, played by Tarantino, who's, who's acting is not as spot on as his writing, yeah. yeah. Um, is, is saying this using the N-word in, in relation to, you know, the, the dead N-word in my garage. And I think Samuel L. Jackson challenged him on set at the time. says, you know, you've got, you're not saying it right. If you're trying to say it like a black guy would say it, it's N-I-G-G-A. It's a, you know, it's, the, the, yeah. it's a small but important distinction. And I think, I don't think Tarantino's intentions were racist when he wrote that character. But I think most people would agree he sort of got it wrong. And we talked about it on a previous episode that if if a black character had said that, you would go, oh, yeah, that's very clever. Do you know what I mean? You go, yeah, that's the sort of thing that you would say when someone well, turns up with a yeah, dead body you in your driveway. You said Chris Rock would be excellent delivering that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause, yeah, I mean, Chris Rock is... I mean, Chris Rock has done some brilliant stuff about what the, the word, what the N-word means and, and, and when it's appropriate to use it. And you know, he's obviously better placed to do so than I am. Yeah. But it, it, it is kind of... If... if Someone might have said you really need to use the N word in that in that context, but people would have criticised it like a million times less if it had been a black actor saying those lines. And I, I, I bet money, right? I bet money. And if you put like Tarantino under light, you know, a poly, you know, sodium pentothal kind of truth drug, and said you wrote that for a black guy, Tarantino, and then decided to do it yourself, didn't you, mate? I bet that's what happened. Yeah. Well, but, but that's what, but with Jackie Brown, you get into you get into the meat of the discussion because he's writing the essentially the Samuel Jackson character. The, the the gun you know the gun dealer the criminal yeah. you know, the antagonist in the story who is from that part of LA and uses those kind of words yeah and there is you know it's Tarantino also in that film specifically changed the central character from a white woman to a black woman for the um for the film um and because he felt like it would it would be better for a black woman to be the hero of his story and he loved you know Pam Greer from from the old days so again I think it's 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 probably with with Jack Brown it's a question of it's the difference between intention and and whether he whether he got got the balance right do you know what I mean yeah I don't well we've got so much to dissect I don't think Tarantino has the intent of being a, a racist character I just don't think he knows when to tone it down or when to do things the right way. That's what I will say about Tarantino. And, and, and I've had conversations about people who are perhaps not as big fans of him as I have, who've made the point that he's he's like that with things like violence on screen as well. Mm -hmm. And and while I continue to be a big fan of his, people have made that comment and I've gone, I, I see, I see where you're coming disagree. from. He's, um, you know, he's, he's, he, will, he will portray events more violently than other people would and everyone knows he will i mean i'm sure when you heard that once upon a time in hollywood was going to be about the sharon tate murders i just kind of went you, must uh, have, you thought do you know what i mean you think that yeah. could go really wrong do you know what i mean because and just because he it's similar in a sense to the director paul verhoeven who did robocop and um uh, total recall and stuff like that people accused his films of just being far too violent and he, I remember he said, his context that was, well, I grew up in Nazi-occupied Holland <laughs> and or was born in Nazi-occupied Holland. And I remember, you know, that time. So maybe my idea of what's too violent is different from other people's. 
Yeah, I mean... And, and Tarantino's background to that is different. And I think wh where Tarantino's coming from is he watched a lot of exploitation films when he grew up. Yeah. He watched lots of violent movies, and he is influenced by that, and he is kind of making films in that universe where people say and do things where the average person goes, whoa, you know, yeah. is that too much? <laughs> yes, I think with Tarantino, no matter how much we enjoy his movies, there will always be something in that film that was just a bit too much. Um, yeah. But what I've written about that, famous scene where he talks about the den the dead n-word storage i just i've just said i'm not comfortable with it i i'm just i'm completely uncomfortable with a white director and writer creating a role that he plays himself and he uses that expletive about six times in the space of 20 seconds and i'm i'm just kind of said like no no amount of discussion or explanations is gonna make me comfortable with that like yeah. if that, and I've said, if it was played by a Chris Rock or you know a black actor then i would have probably all, 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 all the characters are white racist but you know what I mean? It's like, it's not me. If, if, the, if the characters are white racist and John Travolta and Samuel Jackson go off to one side and go, look, I know this guy's a prick, right? But he's the only, he's the only thing stopping us being arrested right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but that needs But to they be, don't say that. Everyone just acts like it's a normal a thing for bloke to have just Genuine, said, yeah. yeah. they just enjoy a cup of coffee and like he's saying it in front of Samuel Jackson. He's just like, oh, you know, I don't know. I know I didn't yeah, that's it. what someone said. Surely no one would would talk like that in front of Samuel Jackson and expect yeah. to still have his teeth if, afterwards. Yeah, if he was like, you know, if he, I don't know, if he had like a Confederate flag or a KKK mask, you know, adorning his living room, then yeah, but it's literally just like, oh, I'm enjoying a cup of coffee. He's like, Let's go to his house. He's a good guy. He'll help us out. Yeah. Really? Or then it's like, no, he's a piece of shit. He's a racist, but he's the mm. only thing getting us out of the situation. Then yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But there's nothing like, you know, preceding the, that scene where it's like, yeah, this guy's a racist. It's just like, it just seems mm. like Tarantino really wanted to say the N-word and he's hiding behind a character mm. that he's written for himself. Um, yeah, just it, it's it's excessive. The scene didn't the scene didn't need a nerdy white guy throwing racial slurs for no reason. Like this that doesn't that doesn't drive the plot. It doesn't add anything to the film. It's just kind of like oh look, there's a white yeah. guy saying the n word. It's like okay, cool. What, there's wow. there's another there's another element like Tarantino's background here that comes into this. Is he is again you, you you get into this topic and you sound like you're slagging him off. I mean, I think he's one of the most talented people who's ever got behind a camera and I genuinely don't think he's racist. And here I am talking about all the things that, you know, make him a bit of a, that, that might seem, to, I think he's a dick. He is one of those people who he thinks he's blacker than other white people. Yes. He, he's, you know, he, he went on a lot about saying he went to a high school in California that was, uh, you know, majority black. Though I think in the background it was actually more Latino than black. Um, and having said that, I bet you he knows more. I bet you he's got more black friends than I have. I bet you he spent more time hanging around with people who use the N-word generally in conversation than I have. But even more. Um, and, and, and more than most white people. Um, but there is still that element of there's a certain eye-rolling that goes on with a certain kind of white person who's, who, who thinks he's black. I think we've all kind of seen that character. He's parodied in songs and, and, and you think, yeah, come on. You know, it's it's basically it's 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 almost Ali G, and so. But at the same time, you, you look at apart from Pulp Fiction, it seems to me his intentions towards his black characters have have, have not been um, bad. If you see what I mean, not been yeah, kind of unfair it, or yeah, discriminatory. His, his intentions aren't. I don't think Tarantino's a racist. I just think he's made some really ill-judged decisions. Like. I'm going to try and back that up when we talk about Django Unchained and try and like make that. Yeah, we go back to Django Unchained. I mean, with with Jackie Brown, the you know, on on there's something else because because again, it's not for me to, to to say it's right or it's wrong. You know, you just hear some of the people who said something about it. John Ridley, he's a, a, a an African American guy. I think he's American. Anyway, he's a black guy. 
who who wrote the script for Twelve Years a Slave, he he didn't say he didn't say it as outspokenly as Spike Lee. And and what I would say about Spike Lee is, I think Spike Lee is one of those people who, when something pisses him off, he, he's quite robust in the way he he, he talks about it. Yeah, he's fair. And and after and after he's calmed down and had a cup of tea, he's you know if you, if you asked him to to after he initially got angry, if you asked him to sit down and explain what he thought Talk about it, I'm sure hour. he'd give you. Yeah. I'm sure he'd give you a brilliantly argued kind of clear statement of where he's coming from. So, you know, I, but, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm probably the sort of person who sort of lets off a bit of steam and I'm fucked off with something as well. Yeah, so it's I, a knee I, I, to- I, it's a knee totally get reaction, it. I, yeah. I totally get it. John Ridley was very, very balanced. He's probably saying that exactly the same thing as Spike Lee is to say, look, great, talented bloke. Um, you know, I understand why if you're writing a character from a particular kind of background, they will use the N-word in that way. But there's a point where you think, actually, I think you're overdoing it there. The flip side to that is that Samuel L. Jackson has actually said in an interview, and obviously people saying a lot of things in interviews, Tarantino says a lot of things in interviews. Um, um, Samuel L. Jackson said, there are scenes where I've probably said the N-word five times where Tarantino's written in the script once. Yeah, was that for and then, Jackie and then, Brown and or was that for... That's for Jackie, that's, yeah, that's for Jackie I Brown. And... I think it's for Jackie Brown, but again, it's, prob- it's probably it's probably a figure of speech. But if if Tarantino if, if Tarantino uses the N word and then uh, Samuel Jackson because he thinks it's appropriate for his character chucks a few extra uses of the word in, it, it's someone someone then does the word count and goes yeah thirty eight times. Aren't you overdoing it a bit, Quentin? So so there's, there's look there's people who make I think entirely fair comments about whether Tarantino is overusing the word without kind of thinking too hard about the consequences and that the it's it's highly you know, it's obviously an incredibly kind of explosive word to use, right? Well, yeah, and in and, certain and, and, contexts and, and by certain people, yeah. It's... And, and, and Tarantino said something really interesting. He says, when, when, it, when a word is that powerful and that scary, everyone should say it a thousand times until it doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. And I get it. I, I get where he's coming from. <laughs> yeah. But we, we live in the world we live in, don't we? So people are always going to ask this question. So there's people who defend what he's done absolutely to the hilt. I mean, Samuel Jackson absolutely defends every word that Tarantino's written and that's come out of Samuel L. Jackson's mouth on screen. He defends it with his life. Jamie Foxx has defended it as well. Other people have made criticisms where I've listened to what they've said and gone, yeah, I, I think you might have a point there. Well, see, what I've what I've written is is that I, I've not defended the use of Django Unchained, but I understand why it was used so profusely in Django Unchained. Yeah. Because, yeah. well, just to, just to, before we get into it, uh, Spike Lee said he wasn't going to watch the film back in 2012. He said, I'm not watching it. It was disrespectful mm-hmm. to his ancestors. And then later tweeted, American slavery was not a Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti western. It was a holocaust. My ancestors are slaves. I will honour them. And Tarantino just replied saying, I'm not going to waste my time responding to those comments. And Samuel L. Jackson even said, look, he, that's fair enough. If you don't want to see it because you think it's going to be disrespectful, then fair enough. But you, you can't comment on it because if you actually watch the film, he's not, he's not actually trying yeah. to be disrespectful yeah, to yeah. slaves or their ancestors. In yeah, terms he's, of what, what he's saying basically is, is that you're, you have you you have every right to say that slavery and the incredibly damaging and horrendous and horrific genocidal um, events that took place because of slavery and racism is not a subject for an ent- for an entertainment film. But you're not in a position to comment on whether Tarantino did it appropriately or not if you don't actually watch the film. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then Tarantino's been quoted saying that Lee's a son of a bitch. Uh, he's never going to work for him again because they obviously worked together on Girl 6. And then yep. Tarantino said in an interview with Howard Stern, rather sensitively, Spike Lee would have to stand on a chair to kiss his ass. 
So that's yeah. that, that was the last of the feud between you know the two. Yeah, and, and the the other the other thing about these two guys is is they both love giving very quotable interviews. If if Spike Lee was a, 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 a in in the world of football, he'd be Roy Keane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he'd be the person that you just go, fucking. I'll hold a microphone in front of his mouth. He's bound to say something yeah. that's going to fill some column inches. Um, and it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I also looked at some of the other feuds that Spike Lee's had because this is almost like oh, Spike Lee's had feuds with people. Yeah. First thing to say is he's not he's not had that many feuds with people, and they've been called feuds. Like he he fell out with Clint Eastwood a little bit for not featuring any black soldiers and flags of our fathers. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood said, "Well, I was only talking about the guys who lifted the flag, and um, none of them were black." And you know, and he said, "Oh, we should shut his face." And you never know whether Clint Eastwood said he should shut his face because some journalist had just stuck a microphone in his mouth and said. Um, Spitely thinks you're a racist. What do you say to that? Do you know what I mean? Because you you know the media try and stir this stuff. Yeah, up. they try and twist it. I've been watching that. And the, just, and, and, sorry, that's just to say. No, I've been watching the Last Dance. Have you seen it on Netflix about the Chicago Bulls? And, no, not yet. Um, yeah, the the media completely twist um, twist everything that the owner tries to do just to try and spin the story. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, and the the other thing is, if you actually read a little bit further, it, it turns out that within a year there was no more feud between the two of them. Although it didn't speak directly, um, Spike Lee because his friends with Steven Spielberg, who's friends with Eastwood, and apparently had a quick word and said, look, oh, look I don't mean any ill will. You know, it's not a problem. And Steven Spielberg said, yeah, it's not a problem. And Spike Lee sent Clint Eastwood a copy of a film he'd made about black soldiers in World War II. And this is now goes down in history as a feud between Clint Eastwood and Spike Lee, where Even what happened was Spike Lee, Spike Lee said something to a journalist and everyone went, wow. And then Clint Eastwood said something to a journalist and everyone went, wow. And if you actually, if they bumped into each other now, they'd go, oh, hi, Spike. Well, yeah, though they've obviously. Well, I, I doubt Clint Eastwood would go up to Spike Lee and go, "Hi, Spike." But yeah, yeah, <laughs> hi, hi, Spike. <laughs> you know. but yeah, but yeah. So, but what's different with the Spike Lee and Tarantino? It's obviously a personal one, isn't it? They've taken it very personal, and it's it's understandable because it's a discussion around a, an extremely sensitive issue. Like, it's not. Yeah, it's it's like Tarantino's obviously very passionate about the films he makes, and Spike Lee's obviously very passionate about racism. Spike Lee is a black director who has an entirely different experience with racism than me, yourself, or even Tarantino. So if it's such a difficult if, subject. If, if, if Spike Lee thinks that Tarantino has gone over the top and, and, and is not being respectful to his position, you at least have to stop and think about, okay, you know, why does Spike think that, you know? Yeah. Because well, he's that, a black he's, guy. He's probably, got, he's probably got a living relative or probably got a grandparent who who had a grandparent who was a slave. You've literally just finished the note I've got written down. I said, right. It's, it's yeah. Therefore, if he is appalled to the use of racist language towards black people, then fair enough, he's entitled to his opinion. And I do believe that some of the criticisms towards Tarantino are valid, but not, not, yeah. not all of them. Um, when it comes to yeah. Django Unchained, I've just, I've, this is literally just after the bit where I've discussed how horrible I find that Pulp Fiction scene. Um, yeah. But it's because it's a film that's 120 years after Django Unchained and it's, it just didn't need to have that scene. But in Django Unchained, it's, it's a, it's a bit different. It's again, he does give himself a cameo where he plays an Australian slave trader. And while I'm more offended by the Australian accent that he uses than his racist language, it's, I'm sure, I'm sure Spike Lee would be as well. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm not as uncomfortable with that that character because it's a slave trader it's a slave trader in the, the 18 like the just beginning of the 1860s yes so well, if, well th this is the thing in the, the story in the storyline of the film slavery is bad slavers are yeah. bad but most of the white people i mean i'm trying to think of any white people other than christoph waltz in that film who aren't portrayed as despicable and who aren't 
brutally killed at the end while the entire audience cheers and thinks, yeah, you fucking deserve to get killed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, like Tarantino's sympathies are in the wrong place when it comes to slavery. He has portrayed slavery as bad and slavers as the bad guys. And he's then written a story where he said, well, those people are the bad guys. My black hero is going to kick the fuck out of those bad guys. There's not a question of where his sympathies lie, is it? Well, that's the thing. Um, I, I took a quote from... Her name was... I wrote it right in here. Yep, so Erin Aubrey Kaplan. So she was the LA Times' first weekly... Uh, weekly op-ed columnist who was black. So she was the first black in recent history and she heavily criticised Django Unchained. She's basically just said, it's an institution whose horrors need no exaggerating, yet Django Unchained does exactly that. Either to enlighten or entertain, a white director slinging around the N-word in a homage to 70s black exploitation a la Jackie Brown is one thing, but the same director turning the savageness, into sla savageness of slavery into pulp fiction is quite another. So yeah, and, and that, that, criticism, that? that criticism has been leveled, hasn't it? That just because you think slavery is wrong, yeah, duh, yeah, yeah, doesn't necessarily mean that any filmic treatment of that story is appropriate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but the, I think not to be insensitive. Personally, I think the story of Django in Django Unchained is to empower. It, mm -hmm. em it empowers him. It's not to. While I can see people taking it as Pulp Fiction, Django and Tarantino's just taken. Pulp Fiction and almost put it bang in the middle of the antebellum south, and he's just yeah, gone. Yeah, there you go. But yeah. it's, I think personally, genuinely think Tarantino's made that film to empower black people. It's a guy, it's a guy who's a slave and he gets to shoot his former slave masters. He goes and slaves, uh, goes and frees his slave wife, kills everyone, pretty much everyone in that house. He, yeah, it's about that film is about empowerment. But I understand why people are like, oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah. you, you've just tried to use that to put your you know, gratuitous violence in one of your, one yeah. in one of the most sensitive issues in American history. Um, yeah, and I'm 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 right. I'm quoting a, something that happened on Kermode and Mayo here. So it's my customary Mark Kermode <laughs> reference to every podcast episode I do, where someone wrote into their podcast uh, and they'd watched Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, possibly it was on TV or, or whatever. And he said, "Yeah, I just watched Twelve Years a Slave. It blew my mind. It's really it's really kind of you know heartbreaking to watch." Um, I'm now going to go and watch Django Unchained for a bit of violent catharsis. Yeah. That, and clearly, and clearly, clearly the intention was you watch 12 Years a Slave to see what it was really like, and then you watch Django Unchained to feel better. Because you um, wanted that to Because you watched some slavers to get, uh, to get the violent you know, end that they deserve, yeah. and which in real life they didn't. That, and this is, the other, this is the other thing about Tarantino films is he's written about Nazis in World War II, and he's written about serial killers in or you know cult killers in once upon a time in hollywood and he's done it in a couple of his other films as well where he's he's writing he's almost writing an alternative history where things end up the way he wishes they would yeah exactly well yeah exactly that's the, that's the whole point of the ending of once upon a time in hollywood he's not no one's <clears> leveled a criticism of, um tarantino where he's gone oh you, you've just decided to write actors and write characters in a really horrible time in history. Sharon Tate was brutally murdered. Yeah, Sharon Tate was brutally murdered, and that was a horrible thing to happen. Charles Manson was a piece of shit. Is he still alive, or is he dead? Uh, I think he died in prison. Good. He's a, he was a horrible piece of work, but mm -hmm. he he's now written... An alter if you've not seen the ending to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay, but basically... Okay, yeah, spo spoiler alert, spoiler everyone. Alert, the cultists get... A f an emphatic demise. It's incredible to watch. It's a really slow burn of a film, and I didn't enjoy the first two hours, but I loved the last half hour of it. I thought it was great. And yeah, and and clearly, what what Tarantino's got gone is, wouldn't it be good if those yeah. sick sick fucks knocked on the wrong door 
and and met um, a, a crazy stuntman with a with a perfectly trained dog and, high a, on and, acid. A, and a bloke with a flamethrower and got what they deserved. And Sharon Tate lived happily ever after. He's all, yeah, the, the stuntman who is also high on an acid cigarette. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I per- I personally think Django Unchained is about empowering empowering a slave to do that. But I understand um, Ed and Aubrey Kaplan's criticism. Yeah, it, it could be seen as gratuitous violence. And if, so, if, if a black author wants to say that, like, I'm not comfortable with using that period of history just to show the success of violence, then fair enough. I'm not going to tell her to not be offended by it. But personally, yeah, well, when I watch that film, I don't see it as, oh, Tarantino's just doing this to be violent in the slave period. It's like, no, it's, it's yeah, more... And, and obviously, I'm, I'm not trying to mansplain for anyone here, or whitesplain for anyone here, but you read the article. Would it be fair to say that her issue was not so much that it was, you know, racist what Tarantino did? Is that it was in poor taste? Yeah. And and that in her view, she felt that someone had written a story about slavery who, who probably wasn't showing enough kind of respect or appreciation of the true seriousness of the topic. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Would it would it be? I mean, you read the article. Would it be fair to say that was her principal criticism? Um. Or do you think there was an element of, you know, this is, you know, because he's a white guy, he doesn't really, he doesn't really well, pay yeah. enough respect to the, the struggle of black people. She does say, you know, he's just kind of casually using the N-word as in an homage to 70s black exploitation, like Jackie Brown is one thing. But I think he just, she takes more issue of the savageness of slavery into Pulp Fiction. She does yeah, I think she just yeah. finds it more insensitive. I don't think she's comfortable with the use of the N-word either, but it's more to the point that he's taken a brutal institution like slavery. I mean, slavery was vile. It was a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And if anyone listening thinks opposite of that, then, you know, you can go ahead and unsubscribe. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. it was a horrible institution and no one should dispute that. Um, and I think she takes more issue with the fact that, you know, it was, she thinks that he's almost exaggerating. Yeah. And the, the, the question is, is, you know, an exaggerated cinematic treatment of something and the, the way in, you know, portraying it for entertainment, is that appropriate? And while Tarantino is at the, one of the sharper ends of that, that is a comment you could make about a number of things. Um, you know, you, there have been films about hijackings, terrorist hijackings of planes that have been done principally for entertainment. I mean, you've had something like United 93, which was, you know, attempted to be a more serious treatment of it. But at the end of the day, Planes been hijacked by terrorists. Um, you know, horrible. You know, you know, rape, murder, torture, all sorts of things are portrayed in films essentially for entertainment. And there is always an element of has it been sensitively handled enough? Has it been respectfully handled enough? That's... But in in general, to- certain topics are, you know treated in films principally to entertain the audience. Well, yeah. Um, uh, yes and no. Did you did you, were you entertained by? 12 Years a Slave, because I wasn't. I still think it's a phenomenal piece of cinema, and I think it's one of the most important yeah. films you can ever watch, but I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. I, I was entertained when, you know, really graphic scenes were on were on the screen. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And the thing is, on the other hand, Tarantino has said, I'm not going to do a film that is about the, specifically about the life of someone stuck in slavery. I am going to do a story about someone who escapes from slavery and, gets and, wants, to re- and wants to rescue a member of his family from slavery and take revenge on well, on his, on his captors, and he's kind of said, well, you know, not, not necessarily endorsing it because you know the question, you know, there's a question mark over the appropriateness. But he has said, I can use this as a stopping off point for a subject like this. He's, he's felt like he could use it as a backdrop. Yeah, it it does make you a bit uncomfortable. But when, 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 sorry, just to briefly yeah. mention, you said United '93. 
Um, mm -hmm. And that was by Paul Greengrass, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Now, he also yeah. did a film for Netflix about the shootings in Norway, the terrorist attacks. Yeah, the Anders Breivik. 22nd of July. Have you seen it? No. It's, a, it's another tough watch. And I think Paul Greengrass has got a little bit of a habit of making films that could, should have been done as a documentary. And we could, he's, he's, he's very documentarian in style, isn't we he? Can, we could do an entire podcast about films that should have been done as a, as a documentary because it made me too uncomfortable or it made us too uncomfortable. And theory of everything... Was it, was it him who did, was it did that um, Hotel Mumbai? Or was that someone else? Uh, I can quickly check for you. Because that was another one. It was if if it wasn't Paul Greengrass, it's the sort of thing that he might have undertaken because it's a tough watch. But it like, um, you know, I mean, there are people who make arguments that those it is legitimate to portray those films because you know it's very easy to watch no, stuff like that on the news and not be. Um, it was directed by an, an Anthony Maras. Never heard of him. Okay, different guy. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, it it is. I mean. It's not entirely the same because the subject matter is handled very differently. But in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Steven Spielberg has Nazis as his bad guys. Now, Steven Spielberg, I guarantee you, has blood relatives who survived the Holocaust. Or possibly died he in the Holocaust. Or died in the Holocaust. He has blood relatives who, who fought the Nazis. And there are plenty of people who, who fought in, in World War Two who might, frankly, have watched some of the heroic, adventuresome war films that were made after World War Two, and said that's not what it was like when you were in a foxhole about to get bombed and wondering if you were going to live through this and you know Spielberg which has every right to he's a he's a Jewish American who, who who has every right to kind of feel whatever he feels about the Holocaust and the Nazis but he portrayed the Nazis as um uh you know cartoon villains in an adventure film and then melted their face spoiler alert melted their faces <laughs> off at the end if you've not seen it <laughs> <laughs> um and and there is an element to say you know the nazis were a, you know they were not fun right and yet nazis are portrayed as a, a kind of go-to villain in in a, in a lot of films and mel, mel brooks took that even further mel, mel brooks made holocaust jokes and jokes about the nazis in a number of his films and he fought in the war See, I get the point you're making, and I, I, you know what, I don't disagree with making the Nazis cartoon villains because they're they're kind of portrayed as kind of bumbling idiots, you know, not like proper bumbling bumbling idiots because the main guy I forget the villain's name is sinister, but it's like Indiana Jones takes down you know all these Nazis you know with a whip, so he's you know he's basically made these guys look stupid and foolish, and in the at the end he melts the guy's face and he and he wins, so. Yeah. And in the same way in Django Unchained, all the people that he kills are fucking idiots. You know, they're they're all they're all fucking hillbillies. <laughs> they're all fucking stupid like racists who, you know, he even shoots Walton Goggins in the cock because he says Django, you uppity son of a bitch, and he shoots him in the cock and says the D is silent hillbilly. So he's made, like the portrayal of these racists are idiots. He even does it Christoph Waltz's character, Dr. King Schultz, does it to Leonardo DiCaprio, where Leonardo DiCaprio has one of his slaves that he f has in the, the Mandingo fighting, uh, D'Artagnan, yeah. named after the character from um, Three Musketeers. He has him torn yeah. to bits by his dogs. And then Christoph Waltz's character, Dr. King Schultz, says, I'm wondering what Alexander Dumas would think of that poor uh, slave you had ripped apart by your dogs today. And then Leonardo DiCaprio's character says, oh, he's some soft Frenchy, is he? And he says, no, Alexander Dumas was black. 
Yeah. And then Leonardo DiCaprio's looking sheepish and looking really embarrassed, trying to like mm-hmm. kind of like laugh off the conversation. So they're made to look like idiots. You know, Christoph Waltz is fluent in French. He speaks in the film. He says, "Qui sont vous préfère?" Something like that about what you prefer. He's like, he doesn't speak French, but he's a francophile kind of thing. They're all made to look mm-hmm. like like imbeciles. And you know, he's there's you know the fact that Tarantino's included that bit about Alexander Dumas shows that he's not a racist. He makes you know ill-judged decisions and if you're using a bad part of history like the nazis or horrible slave traders and you're not exploiting them you're using them to you know like you know if you're not in that big scene in the in the house or at the end where django chained spoiler he shoots everyone to bits and he kills all the bad guys if you're not if you're not enjoying that then there's something wrong with you because he's killing slave traders he's killing some of the most evil people to have existed and if tarantino uses that to and you think oh well it's you know, part of entertain. He's trying to entertain the audience. Then yes, but I think he's done it in the right way, personally. Yeah, I know what you mean. And also, there is an element of we all do certain things when we watch films that are. If you think about it afterwards, um, you think, well, if I were to cheer in real life at someone being killed in that way, that would be a bit sick because it's a film. There's a kind of there's a there's a catharsis. There's a there's a, a yes. yeah yeah Ooh, amazing. And of course, the thing with Tarantino and other directors, and generally in film, we recognise is that sometimes you show things happening on film with violence and other things, which if you cheered that in real life, there'd be something wrong with you. But when you cheer it when it's happening on film, in that kind of space, everyone kind of understands what you're doing. Um, whether Tarantino goes beyond the boundaries of taste in that is a you know is 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 another topic. I think people are divided on that. Well, yeah, it's that um, age-old discussion, isn't it? You know when. You know, people still criticise video games like, um, you know, Grand Theft Auto or, you know, saying that it's going to influence people to do those things. Like, if you cheer the death of a slave trader or a Nazi or Adolf Hitler in one of Tarantino's films, does yeah. that make you a bad person in real life? Are you going to try and, you know, replicate that in real life? No. It's yeah. because, it's, like you said, it's cathartic. Yeah. And so, I mean, get, getting back to Spike Lee, I think there was a couple of things that you wanted to kind of uh, add on that. Yeah, it's just, uh, with Spike Lee, I... Kind of underst- I understand why he would be annoyed at something like that, and I think he's got valid points when relating to things like Pulp Fiction, and because that's just a bit, it's just a bit grim. Um, but what what I will say is that Quentin Tarantino is obviously trying to portray characters in a fictional context, but truthfully, so he has, you know, Samuel Jackson said on the set of Django and Chain to Leonardo DiCaprio, who's struggling with the use of the N word. Samuel Jackson yeah. just said, "Look, this is just another Tuesday for us." He literally said, motherfucker, this is another Tuesday for us. To to Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, we are your slaves. And then Leonardo DiCaprio took that on board and then stopped speaking to, you know, the black actors on set. Obviously, methodically, Leonardo DiCaprio is not racist, but he just had to kind of deal with the fact that this is how things happened back then, back in the 1860s. And you know what? Fuck it. In America, this still happens now. This white people still use this abhorrent racist language today. And it happens and it exists and that's terrible. But Tarantino's trying to bring that to light. He's trying to show that. And if people take a problem with it, then cool. Like, yeah, I'm not going to dispute the fact. If you say it's racist and you're a black person, then okay, it's racist it's, and it's offensive, then it shouldn't be done, then it shouldn't be done. But it's important to have these discussions, not just be kind of shut off and say Tarantino's a racist because he's not. He just needs to be, if this is the case, he needs to be educated as to why it's inappropriate and why it shouldn't be done. Yeah, there are people who think that the degree to which he portrays violence is over the top. Um, he uses the fact that Uma Thurman's character has been raped while she was in a coma 
um, as a plot point. Um, and his, his, his response would be, yeah, but she catches that guy and, and, and brutally kills him in revenge. Mm-hmm. And, and there would be people who are survivors of sexual assault would say, yeah, but what you're doing just goes beyond the boundaries of taste. And that is something that I think Tarantino, you know, is constantly going to, going to be faced with. I remember he walked out of an interview with channel four news because he, he said, I'm sick of st- still answering these questions about the amount of violence in my weird? films, because he's got an exploitation yeah. film sensibility. He will have watched films growing up about women being attacked and raped and then taking revenge with things like uh, 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 last house on the left or I spit in your grave. There is no thought in his mind that he's on anyone's side but the woman's. But his element, his his approach to it is a very exploitation you, film sensibility. You've nailed that there. I'm think I'm literally looking at all of his films, and I'm thinking, you know, back to Django Unchained. It's like, yes, yes, Tarantino, you've made a film about a slave, a former slave, getting his revenge. But at the same time, a black person could watch that and think, look, this guy's taking, you know, the history of my ancestors and using it just to to show him hunting people down. It's completely understandable. The same with Kill Bill. If a survivor of, you know, a rape or somebody who's been sexually assaulted or gone through that traumatic experience sees Tarantino using that, I can see why they take issue with it. I'm not I'm not comfortable with him doing certain things in films like that. Yeah. But he, the problem yeah. is, the, the point is to say, look, we understand that you're trying to show that you're on Uma Thurman's character side or Jamie Foxx's character side or Emmanuel Mimu's character side in Inglourious Bastard. We understand, but at the same time, there's just got to be a line that you just kind of don't cross, mate. Like, you can infer that that had happened, but to show it on screen like that is is a bit too much. If you don't want it like that, then yeah. I'm not, I've, I've never been racially abused and I've never been raped like that. So it's obviously, it's not for me to say, but if someone who's been through that says it's not right and it's not comfortable, then I'm not going to say, no, you're wrong. Like, yeah. I mean, from our position, it's all we can do really is try and have our ears open to what yeah. people are saying about this and, and try and listen and go, okay, where are you coming from? I understand. Because on the one hand, it, if, if some people who are you know, victims of racism or let's say victims, people have been through racism, yeah. people have been through sexual assault, all, all of those things. People who've been the victims of violence and have had PT, PTSD as a result, they might watch a Tarantino film and go, oh, this is too much for me. I can't live with this. And people who haven't personally experienced those things could watch that and go, this is not what I see as entertainment. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. If, if, if other people who were in the exact same position had, had encountered those things and watch Django Unchained and cheered the slaves getting killed uh, and they're a black person who is highly conscious of all the social stuff around slavery but for two hours would just like to see Jamie Foxx shoot Walton Goggins in the dick <laughs> I, I can see I can see why they would uh, uh, they might have an equally valid position to uh, to, to endorse yeah uh, why not you know when no I think if you're looking for Tarantino to be a, an accurate depiction of, of these things, you're looking in the wrong place. It's a question of whether you think the way he portrays things is acceptable. To yeah, you. and there is always a line, and I think he crosses it in every film. And that's even from t- people like us who are, you know, two of his biggest fans. We yeah. understand and, and, and yeah, and, he, and yeah, the thing is, he's he, 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 he does what he does. He, he crosses the line. I mean, I mean that, that, that's 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 Tarantino, but, and, and and I think there are there are people. I mean, I, I I don't imagine you know, you know, Samuel Jackson takes racism lightly. No, but he just has his view on it is one thing. Jamie Foxx's view on it is another thing. I, I think Tarantino will go down in history as someone who divided opinion. 
not necessarily on whether he was a talented bloke, but on whether the way he did things in films was, was, was to much. their taste or appropriate. Well, what I will say is, is that Samuel L. Jackson, um, sorry, Jamie Foxx has supported um, Tarantino's language and he gave an interview to Yahoo in July 2018. And he just said, I understand the text. The N-word was said a hundred times, but I understood the text. That's the way it was back in that time. Samuel L. Jackson said, you take 12 years a slave, which is supposedly made by an author. Steve McQueen is very different than Quentin, Jackson says on camera. When you have a song that says the N-word in it 300 times, that's this is 12 years a slave that he's talking about near the beginning. Nobody says shit. So it's okay for Steve McQueen to use the N-word because he's artistically attacking the system and the way people think and feel. Quentin is just doing it to strike the blackboard with his nails. That's not true. There's no dishonesty in anything that Quentin writes or how people talk, feel, or speak in his movies. Yeah, and I, 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 get, the, I get the feeling that you could talk about this for another 50 hours. And not get and you would have <laughs> you, And you would, you would have people who completely agree with Simon L. Jackson. You'd have people who completely agree with Spike Lee. Um, and... <sighs> It sounds like the most wishy-washy little things. It's not. It's not that they're both right. It's just, you can see where both of them are coming from. Yeah, it's such a difficult issue that and and, and it's you, you're, everyone's going to have to t- kind of take their own view on it. I think. I mean, if there are similar, there are similar conversations about Scorsese. I mean, he was criticised in, um, in in Goodfellas uh, for seeming to be a little bit too enamoured of and almost endorsing the gangsters. Yeah. And, and Scorsese afterwards said, "Are you fucking kidding me? Where, where do you think I endorsed any of that?" Yeah, there's a part of me that. And and, and sorry, carry on. Sorry, I didn't carry on. And 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 at the same time, when when you level that criticism at The Wolf of Wall Street, which is also a great film, it does it does go a little bit lightly or easy, or doesn't really mention how how much damage those people did in that film. It's just Scorsese's Scorsese's not. He doesn't think he's there to spoon feed people. And what then say what Jordan Belfort did was wrong, you know. Yeah, what, but the fact <laughs> is, is that it, sorry, it, I, I have heard I have heard people say that they watched Wolf of Wall Street and thought it would have been quite a laugh to be Jordan Belfort. Oh, it'd be fucking incredible for about two two weeks, and then your body would be in yeah, bits. and then you, and then you then your body would collapse. Yeah, <laughs> but no, you've literally you've literally almost said word for word what I said. It's a bit different, but mm-hmm. I've said that there's also onus and responsibility with the audience. So I've just said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, what I will say is that I do not think it makes Tarantino, myself, or anyone who watches Django Unchained, Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, and enjoy that movie a racist or an anti-Semite. What makes you a racist Agreed. is watching a film like Django and thinking that type of discrimination is acceptable. If you watch that film and you aren't appalled by the language, that's the point. You, you hear the you hear mm-hmm. the N-word and you're meant to be uncomfortable. You hear that and you think, that's not yeah. right. You shouldn't speak to someone like that because of the colour of their skin. Um yeah, so I've just said, think, if you think that's acceptable, then you're the problem. That's what's wrong with you. It's not okay Agreed. to use that language in that context, in, in a context outside of the film. You know what I mean, if you, hear, if you hear the N-word in Django Unchained and then you go to all your mates and start saying it in front of all your white pals and think that's cool, it's not. Yeah, and by, um, the, same token, by the same token, if someone watches any of that stuff that Tarantino does and thinks it's a bit off, that doesn't necessarily make them some woke, politically correct asshole either. They, yeah. they, you can, you kind of say, look, I respect your view. I, re- I respect you for thinking what you think. And frankly, there are things that people could, criticisms that they could level at, at, um, uh, at Tarantino when you go, oh, I can't, I can't really, I can't really defend that 
too much i respect where you're coming from it's like when people talk about rappers and going yeah they keep talking about how they're kind of representing you know and yet all they do is talk about having a gold watch and a, and a private jet and you go okay look, not my place to comment on any of that but I, I, I get it i get why people complain about it because it's a lot of people used to complain about the music that i listened to when i was a kid about there always, always seemed to be a woman in a bikini dancing on top of a car how can you say that you're you know, you believe in women's equality and that you'll sing along with certain old rock songs where the guys writing them were massive sexists. You know, yeah. we're, all, we're all fucking hypocrites to one extent or another. Yeah, well, that's that's it. You know, we, we have to take some sort of responsibility. You know, we you thought Christoph Waltz was incredible in Glorious Bastards. I thought he was incredible. It's, Ab- it's, absolutely. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen. But does that make us an anti-Semite? Does that make us a neo-Nazi for thinking it was an incredible performance? No, because we as the audience take responsibility to recognize that the Holocaust and the Nazis were an evil that, you know, it was the same in the same way that we recognize that slavery was abhorrent. In both circumstances, I can enjoy the film. I'm enjoying Jamie Foxx shooting loads of white people. I'm enjoying Brad Pitt and the bastard shooting Hitler in the face. I'm enjoying it. And I'm also recognizing that slavery was bad and the Holocaust was evil. But I also understand that if people think that certain periods of history being exploited for Tarantino's gratuitous violence, then you know what? I can't defend it. Yeah, I yeah, can't I argue it. against it. But there's also responsibility with the audience. Like I mentioned with video games earlier, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now. I'm not cutting about kidding on I'm a fucking Spartan. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It's like um, Christopher Brookmeyer once said: just because you play Lara Croft doesn't mean you're going to grow a pair of tits. Or, in my case, with the lockdown, we lose a pair of tits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that might be um, where that might be where Te- Brookmar's argument falls down. But yeah, it's, I mean, on on the subject of Spike Lee, I mean, he, um, I mean, j- just to close the loop, Spike Lee, as far as I can see, has had a couple of feuds, and I want to mention one of the other ones because I think it'll it'll come into play when we talk about the rest of Hollywood. He accused Tyler Perry of being stereotypical and almost being like is some of his characters being like the minstrel show. Yeah, um, would also hasten to add, I think they've sorted it out. I don't think they have a problem with each other anymore. Um, and and I think that is the kind of the. I haven't seen a lot of other stories of, of Spike Lee feuding with people. Let's be fair to Spike Lee on that one. His other feud is with the New York Knicks, uh, uh, and it was. Yeah, why was it's that? A, again? It's a number of things. He, he fell out with them over the. He, he he'd been using the same entrance for like twenty years to go in there, and then they told him to use another entrance. But it was all part of the thing where he'd been kind of outspokenly criticising the existing owners, of the New York Knicks, and they were like, and "Fuck the, you." The, the fundamental problem that Spike Lee has with the New York Knicks is that he loves that team and he'll support them till the day he dies, but he believes that the owner's an asshole. As a Sunderland fan... Wait, I wait, just, that's I familiar. Just, <laughs> as a Sunderland fan, I just want to say, Spike, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, and, yeah, and, and to be honest... Tarantino. People, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, I, I'm, now, I'm now on Spike's side. Um, but no, um, the... the, 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 the the thing with, with, with Spike Lee is they do have this stuff. Oh, Spike Lee has all these feuds. I found I found four. Yeah? Two that yeah. were a storm and a teacup. One where I'm 100% on his side about the New York Knicks and this thing with Tarantino. So I don't think... I mean, uh, Spike Lee is 63 years old. Uh, these And everything he does gets talked about in the media. So I, I don't think it's fair to refer to him as someone who frequently has feuds with people. Um, what I would say, just in the interest of balance, is he's been accused of anti-Semitism in one of his films, um, Mo Better Blues, for his portrayal of a, of a pair of um, Jewish characters. And one thing he said in his defense on that was, all right, fair enough, but if I'd used the K-word, and I'm not going to repeat it, it's a, an anti-Semitic term used to, oh, yeah, to describe uh, Jewish people. If yeah, I'd used yeah. that, that word 38 times in my film, my career would be over. And <sighs> what I would say in response to that is, 
Spike would have a point about that if young urban Jewish rappers use that word routinely in their in their language and 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 wrote songs that use that word and and they don't it's not quite the same thing see um again i i think you would be cancelled but for a different reason i think spike lee wouldn't get away with it and i think that's because he's black and i think in a, in hollywood they're looking for an excuse to cancel well recently they were i think they've got better at it, but they were looking for any reason to cancel people and if you're going to cancel someone, it's the systemic institutionalized racism. But we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah, um, but I mean, j- just to say that it's um, it's it's it it is possible for someone who, on the whole, has generally good intentions to get it wrong. Well, have you you haven't seen the Five Bloods on Netflix? No. It's by Spike Lee. Yeah. Um, it's got Chadwick Boseman in it. It's really good. But there's it's about black soldiers in Vietnam, and um, one of the characters, uh, I think he's come home, and he's 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 used racial slurs towards vietnamese people you know the the one that begins with g and yeah. k he uses yeah. that towards vietnamese people and um you know that 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 obviously it's not used as profusely as Tarantino using the n-word in django and chain to pulp fiction but it's still said and it's put it's blamed on a character suffering from ptsd do i think spike lee is a racist for using that no because he's trying to portray an accurate context i thoroughly believe that there have been people that fought in vietnam that came home and will if they're suffering from ptsd they will have seen their friends be shot by the vietnamese army and they will have they will have expressed that anger in the wrong way by racially abusing them but it still will have happened i don't doubt for a minute in the racist hotbed that america is that that didn't happen i reckon it happens heaps and spike lee is just trying to tell the truth and i would be more offended if they tried to do a film about slavery and tried to avoid the use of racial slurs because it'd be inaccurate if you want to do a film yeah yeah, it would be be whitewashing it wouldn't it yeah and you and if you didn't use the the g word or you know horrible words about vietnamese people if you didn't use that i'd be more offended about that because you're trying to be inaccurate and you're trying to hide that history and kind of dance around it no be straight to the point if that happened it happened and we need to say that it happened to tell people that it was wrong rather than dance around it kind of like oh uh, we're not going to say it. it's like no just just own it be, be be frank and say that it happened and tell me that it happened so i can go look that's not the right thing to say and that shouldn't happen again rather than dance around it like some fanny yeah i mean while while films can educate i think what what you're saying and i agree with this is that the audience has got to take some of its own education into the movie with them yeah and and the whole, I mean, war films, you know, Vietnam films have, you know, there are, there's a whole subgenre of them. There's not been as many of them as you'd think, but it's it's a well-worn cliche that Tropic Thunder was all over, of the language that gets used by soldiers in Vietnam, including to describe the um, the Vietnamese, the G word, and, and other things. And you kind of generally say, all right, well, they're using that to describe, you know, they're, they're trying to give you an accurate depiction of what life in those trenches were like, what those people were like, and the quality of the person making the film and the intention of the person making the film will sometimes be apparent. Someone who's actually talented and serious will use that language and you'll kind of understand it. And then there'll be other people who are just jumping on the bandwagon and throwing in all the cliches and you think, oh, okay, you're, you're, you're actually making me uncomfortable here. And it yeah. all, I, I would say there's been a few things I've seen on the TV, on American TV and American films, where there is a certain degree of racism that's still, um, still acceptable. You know, there are sitcoms that go out before 9 p.m. on American TV that seem to be able to say what they like about Muslims. And there's often a little little bit they say about, um, uh, you know, Chinese, East Asian, Korean characters as well, where I think, yeah. really? is That's okay, is it? 
Yeah, it's obviously not, but it's a different it's a different kettle of fish over there. there it seems to be it seems to be something that, that they just seem to be less there are certain things that if you said that about a black person you would quite rightly go, Hang the fuck on and then they yeah. say it about someone else and you go, Well I'm not quite sure why that's okay. Yeah, well it doesn't help that they've got that fucking orange prick in charge that he's yeah, well, started Muslim bands and building a fucking wall yeah. doesn't yeah, yeah. he's, he's no wonder a fucking it's, can of worms for everyone. Yeah, no wonder it's on before nine PM. It's probably on fucking Nickelodeon over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got to say about Spike Lee and Tarantino. I so see Spike Lee and Tarantino, I think it's kind of it's 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 they they both raise points. They both raise questions deliberately and 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 perhaps less deliberately in in the minds of, of the audience. And they, to be honest, the world would be poorer if those two weren't making films, regardless of whether you like all of yeah. their films. So, having had a look at that topic between uh, Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino, which raised some issues around race and diversity, among other things, um, James, you have some other points you'd like to cover regarding diversity in Hollywood? Yeah, well, firstly, I just kind of wanted to talk about how racism and, you know, the offence that can be caused by it is a very difficult thing to navigate in Hollywood and obviously modern society, but particularly in Hollywood. It's obviously a highly sensitive issue, and understandably so, um, but it seems that a filmmaker runs the risk of offending a lot of people and almost both sides or both sides of the coin. So obviously mm-hmm. you have people that didn't like Django because of the use of the language. Um, and if you, if you don't like the language, then that's for a decision. I, I think it's, it makes the film more satisfying because these people are racist and they're horrible. And then Django and Dr. Schultz shoot these horrible people. And I recognize that the language is very strong. And if someone doesn't like the excessive use of the language, then that's if it's a and, a and it's a black person that doesn't like it. If anyone finds it uncomfortable, then that's fair enough. They're alleged that. And if a black person says they're not cool with it, I'm not going to tell them no. Change your mind because you know mm-hmm. that's not my position. On yeah. the other hand, you have a production like Hamilton, which I loved. You loved. It's great. I only got to see it. You got to see it live in the West End. I only got to see only got to see the uh, film thing on Disney Plus. Um, but it's a story that concerns characters that were white in real life. Yeah. Um, and some of these people on slaves. However, in all of its forms, from Broadway to the West End to the touring production, it's had a very diverse cast. It's, yeah, predominantly people of color in every part. I can't. Yeah, in the the film production, the only characters that I can think that are played by white people are King George the Third, mm-hmm. and that's it. Is Lafayette? No, Lafayette's played by David Diggs. Ah, oh, yes, Jefferson. Yeah. So you got yeah. Aaron Burr is played by a black guy. Hamilton's played by a guy who's Puerto Rican. You got mm-hmm. um, Washington played by a black guy. Even Eliza's played by um, she's she's white, and I think her her mum's white and her dad's uh, Asian Chinese, mm-hmm. I think, or, or you know of that yeah. descent. And then you've yeah. got uh, Angelica played by black people. So I think that's great. It's it's great to have a diverse cast. Um. It's a great decision to have a device cast, and because of multi, it's a, it's a cast of multiple ethnicities. And as much as many right wing people in America might hate it, the United States is a diverse country with people of many ethnicities. And Hamilton yeah. is telling the story of America then with people from America now, and I think mm-hmm. that's excellent. But even yeah, I, then, I agree. But even then, it's not it's not been immune to criticism, which Lin Manuel Miranda's you know kind of held his hands up and said, "Yeah, it's valid." But the problem I kind of found a bit. Odd is that I don't I don't care if a black guy is playing Thomas Jefferson as long as they're giving a great performance, which they all do. They're all excellent, but mm-hmm. it's drawn criticism for whitewashing history because you've got black people playing George Washington, a Thomas Jefferson, and we're kind of glorifying Hamilton 
who you know had you know did have a kind of links to the slave trade. He worked for um, yeah. his landlord, who you know had a bit of a shady history with yeah. owning slaves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, a black, primarily George Washington and Thomas Jefferson are played by black guys, and they both famously owned slaves. George Washington had slaves. Thomas Jefferson had over six hundred slaves. Lima Miranda <laughs> said, "You know, it's it's the criticism is valid, and I would agree to some extent. But I, I don't think the creative choice to give." the role of George Washington to a black guy, or the, the role of Thomas Jefferson to a black guy, it's not because they wanted to whitewash history. It's because those guys are talented. It's because those guys are both yeah. excellent, you know, in the musical. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I saw something, and this was a, uh, I think it was on a history documentary on the BBC where an American academic who, who I, you know, I, I assume from the discussion, she would be progressive, you know, political left of centre and, and, and generally in favour of, of equality, diversity and, and, and black people and other minority groups, etc., getting a fair crack of the whip. So um, it, her, her, her motives were she felt it was a bit harsh for or a bit, bit inappropriate for this this musical to maybe think make people think, oh, you know, uh, uh, people were nicer or less racist and more diverse than they actually were in real life. And is that any different to say gone with the wind, which gave a, an inc- you know, very glamorized version of life in the deep South. And my view on that is, you know, it's fair place to Lin-Manuel Miranda for, for holding his hands up to, to, to that criticism. Personally, I 100% agree with what Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda is doing. And, and the reason for that is simply this. The American Constitution and what the founding fathers did to build their country and the values that they stand for are an ongoing discussion in America today. They are always talking about um, the Constitution and whether the next thing that a politician wants to do or a law that people want to change or, or a way that they live in America today is constitutional or not. And that founding period of um, of America is continues to be part of the discussion. And I, I can't think of a better way for black people, minority ethnic people, any, any group of person in America to stand up and take part in that conversation than to say, I am American. The thing that I'm trying to do in the world today, the thing I'm trying to do to change America or the thing I'm trying to do to make the world around me a better place is to be like the founding fathers who saw something that needed to be better. Well, and and, yeah. and they embody the, the true values of the Constitution, the two values of the you know liberty and the two the true values of, of, of freeing yourself from oppression. They're fundamental to America. And what Hamil- what Hamilton says is, we don't endorse slavery, and we acknowledge that the, what, a lot of what people did back then was, you know, um, you know, not what you would agree with today. But they were they moved the world, you know, not just America but the whole world forward in their time. And I embody that. And what better way for for anyone in America today to make the world a better place and to stand up for the values that makes them, you know, all things considered a unique country. Well, yeah, that is, that, yeah, you've done, you've, you've done it great justice. Already. I couldn't, I couldn't have put it better. And I don't think that, you know, they're trying to cover up the history and, you know, in, in the musical, it's like people are saying, oh, they're whitewashing. It's like, no, literally in one of the cabinet battles, I think it's the f- first one, not the second one. Yeah. Um, you know, David Diggs is playing Thomas Jefferson saying, oh, you want to ta- tax our whiskey, you know, don't tax us, don't take it out on us because we've got it made in the shade, you know. You know, we plant seeds and grow kind of thing. And then Hamilton mm-hmm. just starts going, you know, we all know who's doing the planting. You don't pay for labour. So he's, he's yeah, calling he does, out. Yeah, yeah, he's calling it out, yeah. 
yeah, he's calling out. So I don't think he's trying to cover up the fact that he's men on slaves because they, they, you know, the play openly challenges the ownership and criticizes them heavily for it. Well, J- Jefferson, but the sentiment is still there overall. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm trying to say is that even a production like Hamilton with a multi-ethnic cast can still face criticism for issues relating to racism. That's how difficult yes, it, this topic it, it, is. It, it is. It is a, t- a topic, and I think what you know, I, I personally think that if you try really hard to be mindful and acknowledge that you might not get it right, but if you're if you're if you're pure in heart and your intentions are good, then you've at least, you've still got to try and, and 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 express something. It would be it would be it would have been a terrible shame if, for example, Hamilton had. Um, uh, not gone ahead because Lin Manuel Manuel Miranda. I'm having real trouble with that. If Miranda had gone, <laughs> yeah, I can't quite yeah. get this right. If, if I can't quite get this right, so I'm not going to do it. I think the world's infinitely a better place for him to have done it, and for it nonetheless to be imperfect. Which is kind of the lesson it's telling you about the Constitution. There's a whole exchange in Hamilton about the Constitution is full of flaws, so we better, we better make some amendments. And the whole point is, it's a, it's a continuing discussion. You're not going to get any better unless you kind of, you know, get Get in, get in amongst it, and, and try and and try and be involved, and try and improve things. And yeah. it just it's, it's one of the, it kind of frustrates me when they have discussions like this because it's like we shouldn't enjoy it because it's got slave owners. It's like no, it's not. This this whole discussion about you know commemorations of people that own slaves because that was obviously a big thing you know a couple months ago with um, they brought down the statue of Edward Colston in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had I had to, like a big chat with my mate um, Rory about this. And while I understand why the statue was brought down, the statue and the commemoration towards these people, like Thomas Jefferson, you know, he's on Mount Rushmore with George Washington. The commemorations of these people weren't made because they own slaves; it's because they helped fucking you know defeat the British and set up the country that people are living in today. So it's one of those it's one of those things that's so difficult because I understand why someone would want to bring down that statue. Or if you want to say George Washington's a bell end because he owned slaves, then fair enough, slaves were evil, but it was what was done at the time. In seventeen seventy six is totally different. Seventeen seventy six is totally different to twenty twenty. Of course it's evil to own slaves, but back then that was just seen as the done thing. Doesn't make it okay, doesn't make it right, but we have to remember that this is set two hundred and twenty six years ago. 224 years ago sorry yeah so, i mean there, there are there are nuances to this first of all you you're not you're not going to move forward in any form of discussion if you don't commemorate the fact that george washington fought for literally put his life on the line for what eventually became a democracy that then and changed the whole western world because the idea that you know we're not going to just pay taxes to a king who doesn't represent us and his what he did was one of the most progressive acts that anyone's ever done in history. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he was a slaver. There is a, I, I think it is valid to commemorate him. The flip side to that is these Confederate, Confederate statues and these Confederate flags, they were part of, if you study the history, and that's really what this comes down to, in the, the history needs to be fully studied. These Confederate statues in America were commemorating people who fought to, fought to keep slavery. Yeah. They, they, they fought against what was right. There yeah. wasn't a case of they were fighting for what was right, but so, you know, some aspects of them weren't right. They were fighting against what was right. And then for 150 years after slavery, their images and their names were used in a system that replaced slavery and was almost as bad. And there's a big difference between knocking down one of those statues and dropping a bomb on Mount Rushmore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, 
and and regarding i mean the, the statue that got pulled down in bristol of the guy who was a, a slave trader and yet did a lot for for um uh for the city, the city of bristol yeah i mean where i came down it was you know what they probably should pull down the statue yeah but that shouldn't be the end of the discussion yeah there should now be a discussion about what bristol was you know how bristol was formed and what that guy did and what he did that was good and that was bad and maybe that statue needs to go in a in a, a museum, museum somewhere in bristol same thing mum. and 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 everyone should be fully informed about everything and come mm -hmm. out of it and go well you know what people are complicated and we have to we have to get our heads around if we if if we're going to be well informed people about the world that we that came before us and is and is going to going to go on from here we need to fully understand history and all its nuances so i think it it was right to pull the statue down, but I think if they just left the statue in the river and that had been the end of the discussion, that would have been wrong as well, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things where I don't think you should get rid of the statue because that in itself is almost whitewashing history. It's like, get rid of the statue, no one knows about Edward Colston. No, you put it on, you, you create museums, you create yeah. educational purposes. You put it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a museum in Bristol. If that gets donated to a museum in, you know, in Liverpool or in Glasgow, for example, you know, there's streets in Glasgow that are named, you know, I think streets like Glassford Street and Ingram Street. They're, I think they're named after people that, you know, were tobacco lords and, you know, the merchant city is that's, you know, Glasgow started because of slavery and streets in there are named after slaves. And I think that should change because you're commemorating street, but don't get rid of the guy. Still yeah. keep the guy and say, look, yeah, this guy helped found the city of Glasgow and it was a different time back then. And he owned slaves and that's how he managed to profit. But mm -hmm. that's not acceptable now. Um, yeah, agreed. I think it was, I mean, what happened before was wrong. And Edward Colston just had a big statue and lots of things named after him. And no one really discussed the fact that he was a slaver. But it would be wrong now to do some Stalinist, you know, erasure of, of him from history altogether, because the worst, you know, the reason that the reason those bad things happened before was principally ignorance, or the reason those things were allowed to happen was ignorance, and we shouldn't allow ignorance to continue. And that will that the only way to stop that is to, for people to be well informed. Which bringing back to Hamilton is, I, I think Hamilton is is you know people criticise Hamilton, say where it's imperfect, terrific. Now you go and do better, yeah. And then we'll have Hamilton, whatever, and whatever you've done that's better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's let's let, let's let's go and do better. Whatever we've done, whatever we've learned, accept Hamilton as a fucking massive step forward. And if someone else comes up with another great show, film, television program, which um, is it, it, which you know succeeds in 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 the areas where Hamilton didn't one hundred percent succeed, then we're all better off, aren't we? Well, yeah, that, that's that's the other discussion as well. You know, we're, we're, they're trying to take steps. They're trying to have a, a musical about something that happened 226 years ago in a totally different climate, but with a multi-ethnic cast. Like, mm -hmm. there was, there's, there's outcry every year. Like, well, not, more, not more recently, but you know the Call of Duty franchise. Yeah. Um, they haven't done a historical game in ages, but the last one they did was 2017. It was Call of Duty World War II. And yeah. people took exception, and same happened with them, Battlefield 1 because they had, you know, they had black characters in the, in the game. And it's like, but it's about World War Two. It's about World War One, And it's like, you could play as a woman, you know, in the online mode. You could be fighting, you know, at, at the D-Day landings as a female character. And people are going off their heads. Even though the entire story mode had, had solely male characters, apart from one me uh, mission where you're part of the, um, the French resistance, which did have women in it. The online mode had, and like, cosmetic skins, where if a female person's playing a video game and they get to be a female character, then cool. Who gives a fuck? But people like take such issue with everything, and I think they need to stop focusing on the little things that aren't going to make a difference, and things that you know, things like are going to make a difference. Like you know, casting an entire cast 
in Hamilton of a multi you know, with multi-ethnic backgrounds, rather than what character you can pick on Call of Fucking Duty. You know, yeah, and and this is the thing is there is going there is this is going to continue happening, isn't it? It's just, it's in general, I think people agree that things should be more diverse, and just as someone who perhaps doesn't think something is progressive enough and rips rips it apart, well, that's that's not helping anyone. Equally, if someone says, "Oh well, what you're doing to be diverse there is oh um, too progressive or or too PC, and now you've done something that's inaccurate," again. Anything that falls into category of people ripping something apart and not actually offering anything more positive themselves, you, you need to kind of hang back on that because it's not straightforward to be more diverse. I mean, some of the examples that that, that I got is, um, I mean, I talked about Ghostbusters in the previous uh, a previous podcast, and it the, uh, some f- women got a lot of flack for playing parts that had previously been men, and. The underlying issue is why are there more parts for women? Yeah, I don't think they should have done the Ghostbusters film at all. But they do have this fundamental challenge that if if you want to do a big film with female characters, it's got to be part of a franchise or a reboot of something. Which means maybe there's a Marvel superhero you can chuck in, or we'll reboot something that was had a female cast forty years ago, which is basically Wonder Woman or fucking Cagney and Lacey, or you know. And I and I don't, and I don't want to slag off the new Little Women film because I haven't seen it yet, but I hear it's very good, and I and I. I like Greta Gerwig, um, and I think you know another literary adaptation of a great novel. Fine, but you, it does sometimes make it feel like if women are going to be in a prominent film, there's only like half a dozen things they can do, unless you try and do something a bit different and try and be creative. It's well, yeah, like when I... they did colorblind. It's like when they did colorblind casting in David Copperfield. Yes, uh, yes, David Copperfield wasn't an Asian guy, but yeah. you know. It's it, they have less of a problem with this in theatre because they'll go and, and I'm not I'm not advocating kind of blackface or anything. I'm not talking about that at all. But I'm talking about getting a black character to play one of Shakespeare's to play Hamlet. No one and I'm sure that no, no one bats an eyelid because you just go theatre theater companies seem to go yeah we'll have a black guy playing Hamlet this time and, and a Chinese guy next time and a white guy the time after that. Um, but because films are a bit more permanent, there's this element of oh now we have to do black guys as white characters and it's like well. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, while, while while Hollywood Hollywood fails to do new stuff, and no one wants to watch a, a contemporary British film, apparently it all has to be costume dramas. So yeah, well, let's put Idris Elba in a fucking Elizabethan costume. Otherwise, he's not going to you know, make enough films in Britain, and we're going to lose him to America. We're going to lose ta- we're going to lose talent abroad because we can't do anything other than costume dramas. That's the discussion. It's like Idris Elba to be James Bond, and let's have a female James Bond, and it's like, okay. I mean, the, the character's literally called James Bond, so I could I don't care if Idris Elba plays it, but it's, the character's literally called James Bond. However, I'm not against seeing a, an awesome spy film with a female character. The problem is Absolutely. female writers and directors don't get the same exposure as male directors and writers. That's the problem. I'm sure there are heaps of female writers out there who have written awesome fucking scripts about female spies, about female pirates, about female warriors, female, female everything, and they're all just sat there. They're excellent films that would, you know... Sweet awards, and they would get heaps of money, but they're just not getting the exposure because it's it's actually not yeah. down to people not wanting to see those films. It's down to people in Hollywood and the studios not giving yeah. them the chance. That's what and, it is. And yeah, a lot of this is the timidity of the studios. Yeah, because they were they were like, oh, I'm not sure if this Wonder Woman film is going to work, and it's like you do realize, don't you, that she was the only thing that was fucking watchable about ba- Batman versus Superman, right? Mm. <laughs> and if and if you make it's a superhero film that people have heard of. 
a character people have heard of. If you don't fuck it up, it'll probably be okay. Same thing with Captain Marvel. Was I, I don't think Captain Marvel was all that good, but I, the, the reasons it wasn't all that good were the reasons one or two of the other Marvel films have been all that good. So there are some things they didn't quite get right. But the female superhero character, yeah, fucking why not? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like... <laughs> like just, it's know. all there. Stan Lee had written heaps of fucking female characters in Marvel. There's characters, yeah. you know, I'm sure and the same way that there'll be heaps of stories way to be told and that's just not given the exposure. Yeah, that, and, and, and 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 as I as I hear it, I'll, I'll come back to, to Black Panther in it in a little while. Like Captain Marvel and like Wonder Woman, there were people who were a little bit concerned as to whether Black Panther would do well. And it's people in the boardroom who, who are about to spend $200 million and are worried about losing their jobs, which makes them very conservative. And they keep going, oh, the public won't go for that. The public won't go for that. It's like, mate, it's a Marvel film. It's a Marvel film, right? Oh, yeah. Do it right and people will watch it. And yet, apparently, they had to be convinced that Black Panther was going to work. It was incredible. It made, it made so much it's, money. <laughs> because it's a good movie and it's a Marvel movie. And good movies based on Marvel characters are going to do okay. And and it's just a case of if it's the similar thing with Brokeback Mountain is I remember Hollywood patting itself on the back. Aren't we brilliant? I think Whoopi Goldberg said at the Oscars, aren't we great? Something like that, because now we make these films and blaze a trail. But Hollywood had been terrified of gay stories before that. And only when it was painfully obvious that the that the audience had no problem with it, did we get Brokeback Mountain? And of course, Brokeback Mountain did well. It's a good film. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, I really, I really feel for those guys in that situation. It was a lovely story. And. Hollywood is always a little bit behind because they're terrified of losing their money because it costs $200 million to make a film or, or it's hard to get, to get, you know, a film made and justified. And they're always hiding behind, Oh, I'm not sure if the demographics are like that. And it's like, Will Smith can't have a white girlfriend in his films. And you just think, give the audience a little bit of fucking credit. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't want to go back to it, but I was just, I, I'm playing that Assassin's Creed Odyssey just because I've been off work for ages for like two weeks now. And there's a bit, there's your character has the opportunity to sleep with the famous Alcibiades, who mm-hmm. was a figure of Greek history. And you could, you, like, that's the first time in a video game where you have the option to um, be romantically linked. Well, that I've come across romantically linked with a guy. Like, other than mm-hmm. maybe Fallout and GTA, where mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of used more derogatory because it's GTA. Um, but yeah, th- th- it's one of those things like it sends the vicious like, oh, are people going to go and see a film? Are people going to play a game where the character might be gay? It's like, people just sit there and they're so worried about something that's not actually happened yet. Yeah, yeah. F- Marvel makes so much money. Like people make so much money. They, you know, they Marvel own, no, Disney own Marvel, Star Wars. They're a way to get Deadpool and things like that. And they own Pixar and import Fox. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're worried about a film not making money. Guarantee any film that. Disney make will make like 500 million and it well, will this, cost this is 500 the thing. million I mean, to make. This is a statistic about, you know, why Hollywood should try and just take a, a couple more risks. And there's a whole discussion, which we can follow on later. 51% of the population is women. Like in most Western countries, say America, 47% of cinema tickets purchased are bought by women. And that is with a, a, an output of films that probably could do more for, um, for women in Hollywood and women are still prepared to go and see the films. Imagine how many more fucking tickets they would buy. Yeah. If you gave them a few more characters to relate to on screen yeah, and it's not it's- the end of the world. It, the, 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 the male audience is mostly going to go along with it. 
just fucking give it a go. And all you have to do is read some of the scripts that people are fucking throwing through your fucking letterbox <laughs> and, and, and pick something new. Yeah, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, maybe you won't spend $200 million on it, but give them a couple of million, stick it on Netflix, you know, grow your audience. Well, yeah, like, I've got I've got some figures, not about the inclusivity of women, but um, of black representation in Hollywood that we'll probably get onto uh, later. Um, yep. But yeah, you're you're totally right. You're nailing the point that you know there's not there's not enough representation for everyone. It is a very white industry. Yeah, but I mean, it, this is a facile point, and it doesn't solve racism. But no one told me that I shouldn't watch Eddie Murphy in films in the eighties, and he yeah. fucking killed the box office. And it's all about a choice. Uh, yeah, and I know I know there's a lot of racism, and there's a lot of resistance and, and stuff like that, and I'm sure Eddie Murphy experienced a lot of that himself. But when someone is big box office and successful, it makes money, and yet you still have to convince people. I remember you talking about Black Panther. You're saying, have they seen Blade? Have they seen Hancock? Have they seen Eddie Murphy? Why do they have to be convinced that a, a film that's got a black, a black guy in the lead or a black person in the lead is, is potentially a big box office? Yeah, and you know some some of those some Eddie Murphy films suck. I didn't really like Blade. I hated Blade Three, and I wasn't the biggest fan of Blade Two. But I don't think oh, I'm not going to go and see a film now because I didn't like two Eddie Murphy films and two Blade films. I didn't like yeah. Hancock. I thought Hancock was a bit shit, but I still like Will Smith and I still like his films. It's it seems to be this thing is like there's so much on the line that we can't make this film because. Yeah. It's got a black lead, and we don't know if it feels. It feels like Hancock was fucking shit. But I've still yeah, yeah, watched but, loads but it, of. But, it, but if it had been good, people would have watched it because Will Smith was quite big at the time. Yeah, and you know, um, the same with Gemini Man. Gemini Man was fucking shit. But I'll still go and see another Will Smith film. It's just it's, see, they're worrying about nothing really. Absolutely right, and it's and I, I I think that you know as as much as like people think America might be getting in a bad place because of Trump and everything. I think we should trust people to be a bit smarter than that, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, time for an intermission now to pause for breath, take a comfort break, and replenish any drinks and snacks you need to get through part two. The second reel of the September bonus podcast is available to download now, where we finish off this mammoth discussion. This podcast was recorded on Anchor FM and edited and mixed in Audacity, and anything that sounded good was down to them, and anything that sounded crap was down to me. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. That's all for this reel. See you on the other side.